Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published for us by the good people at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. And there, if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see a little drop-down menu that has the item Read ACIMOE. At the bottom of that drop-down menu, there's an option to subscribe to receive daily excellent email from the Course in Miracles Society that includes the text reading that we share here every morning, as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we're reading uh, the beginning of a new chapter, chapter 3, titled Retraining the Mind. We'll be looking at the introduction, section 1 and section 2, Special Principles for Miracle Workers. Uh, We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 25. I do not know what anything is for. And what a particularly apt lesson for me today. Excuse me. As I was doing my meditation this morning, I realized everything, of course, is for my good. And I opened up another email, and this is what I found. Speaking of, I do not know what anything is for. A journal entry by a fellow traveler on this path, writes, I once wrote in my journal while on a retreat, how good of you, God, how good of you to make truth a relationship instead of an idea. Now there's room between you and me for growth, for conversation, for exception for the infinite understandings created by intimacy, for the possibility to give back and to give something to you as if I could give anything back to you. You offer the possibility to undo, to please, to apologize, to change, to surrender. There's room for stages and for suffering for mutual passion and mutual pity. There's room for mutual everything. That's the genius of our tradition, as Jesus himself says. We are the way, the truth, and the life. And suddenly, it has all become the sharing of our person instead of fighting over ideas. I do not know the purpose of anything. Whoops, I do not know what anything is for. <laughs> anyway, uh, I hope that was as beneficial to you as it was to me. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Lori. So glad I came early. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you liked it. It spoke to my heart today. 
uh, in a really big way. So here's a reading list, friends. We have Lemoyne, Rob Marie, Karen, and Jessica. We're joined in listening this morning by Judy and Donna. And have we been joined by anyone else so far? Not yet. Okay, well, retraining the mind isn't as daunting as it sounds, okay? <laughs> oh, shoot. Our new chapter, Retraining the Mind. So here we go. Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 1, Introduction. This is a course in mind training. All learning involves attention and study at some level. Some of the later parts of the course rest too heavily on these earlier sections not to require their study. You will also need them for preparation. Without this, you may become much too fearful when the unexpected does occur. Make constructive use of it. However, as you study these earlier sections, you will begin to see some of their implications, which will be amplified considerably later on. Uh, Lemoyne. Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind. Retraining the Mind. Introduction. This is a course in mind training. All learning involves attention and study at some level. Some of the later parts of the course rest too heavily on these earlier sections not to require their study. You will also need them for preparation. Without this, you may become much too fearful when the unexpected does occur to make constructive use of it. However, as you study these earlier sections, you will begin to see some of their implications, which will be amplified considerably later on. The reason the solid foundation is necessary is because of the confusion between fear and awe to which we have already referred and to which so many people hold. You will remember that we said that awe is inappropriate in connection with the sons of God because you should not experience awe in the presence of your equals. However, it was also emphasized that awe is a proper reaction in the presence of your creator. I have been careful to clarify my own role in the atonement without either over or understating it. I have also tried to do the same in connection with yours. I have stressed that awe is not an appropriate reaction to me because of our inherent equality. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Robin Marie. The reason a solid foundation is necessary is because of the confusion between fear and awe to which we have already referred and which so many people hold. You will remember that we said that awe is inappropriate in connection with the sons of God 
because you should not experience awe in the presence of your equals. However, it was also emphasized that awe is a proper reaction in the presence of your creator. I have been careful to clarify my own role in the atonement without either over or understating it. I have also tried to do the same in connection with yours. I have stressed that awe is not an appropriate reaction to me because of our inherent equality. Three, some of the later steps in this course, however, do involve a more direct approach to God himself. It would be most unwise to start on these steps without careful preparation or awe will be confused with fear and the experience will be more traumatic than beautific. Healing is of God in the end. The means are being carefully explained to you. Revelation may occasionally reveal the end to you, but to reach it, the means are needed. Thank you, Robin Marie. Uh, Karen, if you'd like to do paragraph three and then just roll right into the next section, please. Three. Some of the later steps in this course, however, do involve a more direct approach to God himself. It would be most unwise to start on these steps without careful preparation, or all will be confused with fear, and the experience will be more traumatic than beatific. Healing is of God in the end. The means are being carefully explained to you. Revelation may occasionally reveal the end to you, but to reach it, the means are needed. Section 2 of Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Special Principles for Miracles. Number 1, Paragraph 4. The miracle abolishes the need for lower order concerns. Since it is an out-of-pattern time interval. The ordinary consideration of time and space do not apply. When you perform a miracle, I will arrange both time and space to adjust to it. Thank you, Karen. Uh, One moment, please. Need to wait for that ringing to stop. <laughs> Beg your pardon, everyone. Um, thank you, Karen and Jessica. Okay, yeah, something was going on here. So it's um, the miracle abolishes the need? Yes, uh huh. Okay. The miracle abolishes the need for lower order concerns. Since it is an out of pattern time interval, the ordinary considerations of time and space do not apply. When you perform a miracle, I will arrange both time and space to adjust it, adjust to it. Wow. (laughs) Two. Clear distinction between what has been created and what is being created is essential. 
all forms of correction or healing rest on this fundamental correction in level perception. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, so is there a new reader then for paragraph five and six? That would be principles <laughs> two and three. Can be okay. Thank you, Diana. Okay. Um, paragraph five, number two. Clear distinction between what has been created and what is being created is essential. All forms of correction or healing rest on this fundamental correction in level perception. Um, uh, Paragraph six, number three. Another way of stating the above point is, never confuse right with wrong-mindedness. Responding to any form of miscreation with anything except a desire to heal or miracle is an expression of this confusion. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And let's see, is there another new reader for paragraph six and seven? Uh, that would be principles three and four. Three and four, six and seven. Yeah. All right, Thanks, Jude. Uh, you're welcome. Another way of stating the above point is never confuse right with wrong-mindedness. Responding to any form of miscreation with anything except a desire to heal or a miracle is an expression of this confusion. For the miracle is always a denial of this error and an affirmation of the truth. Only right-mindedness can create in a way that has any real effect. Pragmatically, what has no what has no real effect is no real existence. In effect, then, it its effect then is emptiness. Being without substantial content, it lends itself to projection in the improper sense. Thank you, Judy. And we have another new reader for paragraphs seven and eight. That would be four and five. Principle four and five. All right, back to you, Lemoyne. Okay. Uh, Special principle four. The miracle is always a denial of this error and an affirmation of the truth. Only right-mindedness can create in a way that has any real effect. Pragmatically, what has no real effect has no real existence. Its effect, then, is emptiness. Being without substantial content, it lends itself to projection in the improper sense. Special Principle 5. The level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for healing. 
Until this has occurred, healing cannot be understood. Forgiveness is an empty gesture unless it entails correction. Without this, it is essentially judgmental rather than healing. Thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, and Robin Marie. Paragraph 8, number 5, special principle. The level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for healing. Until this has occurred, healing cannot be understood. Forgiveness is an empty gesture unless it entails correction. Without this, it is essentially judgmental rather than healing. Principle 6. Miraculous forgiveness is only correction. It has no element of judgment at all. Father, forgive them for, for they know not what they do. In no way evaluates what they do. It is strictly limited to an appeal to God to heal their minds. There is no reference to the outcome of their misthought. That does not matter. Thank you, Robin Bray. I'm Karen. Paragraph 9, Special Principle 6. Miraculous forgiveness is only correction. It has no element of judgment at all. Quote, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, unquote, is in no way evaluates what they do. It is strictly limited to an appeal to God to heal their mind. There is no reference to the outcome of their misthought. That does not matter. Paragraph 10, Special Principle 7. The biblical injunction, quote, be of one mind, unquote, is the statement for revelation readiness. My own injunction, quote, do this in remembrance of me, unquote, is the request for cooperation from miracle workers. It should be noted that the two statements are not in the same order of reality. The latter involves a time awareness, since to remember implies recalling the past in the present. Time is under my direction, but timelessness belongs to God alone. In time, we exist for and with each other. In timelessness, we coexist with God. Thank you, Karen. And Jessica. Um, Miracle Principle 7. The biblical injunction, quote, be of one mind, is the statement for revelation readiness. My own injunction, quote, do this in remembrance of me, is the request for cooperation from miracle workers. It should be noted that the two statements are not in the same order of reality. The latter involves a time awareness since to remember implies recalling the past in the present. 
Time is under my direction, but timelessness belongs to God alone. In time, we exist for and with each other. In timelessness, we coexist with God. Amen. Amen is right. Um, you know, it took me many years to realize uh, how interwoven these seven principles are. And um, in that sense, I'm probably the last one to fully appreciate uh, how whole this teaching is. Um, but because it is, I would really enjoy hearing it uh, in the same kind of harmony that we do from time to time. Um, in a flowing sort of way. We'll have to decide ahead of time who can read and what to read in order to pull that off. And let's see, we have one, two, three, four, five readers. Is there anyone uh, who's joined us who would like to be on this reading list? Whoops, I forgot Diana after Jessica. Now we have six readers. Seven if I include myself. Perfect. Shall we invite, uh, or does anyone else like to join this list? All right, what I'd uh, like to do is do these seven principles in that way. Um, so if Judy uh, would do principle number one, and Diana, principle number two, and Jessica, principle number three, and Karen, principle number four, Robin Marie, principle number five, Lemoyne, principle number six, and I'll finish with principle number seven. And um, we'll be happy to read to, to, to you people that are listening. And hopefully we'll all derive a great deal of benefit from doing it this way. <clears throat> um, agreed? <laughs> agreed. Okay. I, ag so. I agree. I agree, but could we just say the number one instead of principle number one, or sure. do you want the principle? Uh, just say the principle number. You don't have to say the word principle. And okay, don't say you. the word paragraph either. Just number one. Okay, thank you. Excellent, Robin Marie. All righty. So, uh, Judy, if you want to lead us off, please. Sure, thank you, Mary. Chapter three, saying perception. Two, special principles for miracles. One, the miracle abolishes the need for lower order concerns. Since it is illogical or out of pattern, time interval by definition, the ordinary considerations of time and space do not apply. I do not regard time as you do, and your space problems are not mine. When you perform a miracle, I will arrange both time and space to adjust to it. Number two, clear distinction between what has been created and what is being created is essential. All forms of correction or healing rest on this fundamental correction in level perception. Um, Jessica, are you able to do three? 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have someone in my house and, yeah, three. No problem. Some of the later steps in this course, however, do involve a more direct approach to God himself. It would be most unwise to start on these steps without careful preparation. Oh, Judy, or or, um, Jessica, we're just reading the special principles. this time around. So if you want to just read principle number three in section two. That's okay. No problem. I see. Okay. (laughs) Another way Uh of stating the above point is never confuse right with wrong-mindedness. Responding to any form of miscreation with anything except a desire to heal or a miracle is an expression of this confusion. Four, the miracle is always a denial of this error and an affirmation of the truth. Only right-mindedness can create in a way that has any real effect. Pragmatically, what has no real effect has no real existence. Its effect, then, is emptiness. Being without substantial content It lends itself to projection in the improper sense. Five, the level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for healing. Until this has occurred, healing cannot be understood. Forgiveness is an empty gesture unless it entails correction. Without this, it is essentially judgmental rather than healing. Six. Miraculous forgiveness is only correction. It has no element of judgment at all. Quote, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, unquote in no way evaluates what they do. It is strictly limited to an appeal to God to heal their minds. There is no reference to the outcome of their misthought. That does not matter. And seven, the biblical injunction, quote, be of one mind, end quote, is the statement for revelation readiness. My own injunction, quote, do this in remembrance of me, end quote, is the request for cooperation from miracle workers. It should be noted that the two statements are not in the same order of reality. The latter involves a time awareness, since to remember implies recalling the past and the present. Time is under my direction. Timelessness belongs to God alone. In time, we exist for and with each other. In timelessness, we coexist with God. And there you have it, some special principles for miracle workers. And so, we have uh, 10 minutes before the top of the hour. Let me uh, remind that Fran is... um, 
enjoying some time away with family this week. So if there's a volunteer to lead our lesson reflection at the top of the hour, we would be most grateful. Um, the floor's open. Hi, everyone. This is RJ. I have a um, question based on what Lemoyne said, and I think that the last reading as well. Um, when it comes to performing a miracle with absolute no judgment, just asking God to heal a misperception, does that mean that we have the ability to see that somebody outside of ourselves is misperceiving? That's my question. Thank you. Very excellent question. And what say you, the group? I had the thought that um, we can we can see that that someone is misperceiving, but we don't judge it. That's the big thing. To offer the miracle is to help them heal their misperceptions or miscreations. I'm complete. Oh, very good, Karen. Yeah, and I, I think, think that. Oh, sorry. I I yeah, think that the idea is that <laughs> that there is love and fear, and if you see someone uh, uh, um, reacting in um, an unloving way, that's a call for love. So that's how we can discern that. I believe. Go ahead. Oh, that's excellent, Robin Marie. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. I I just wanted to say thank you, Robin Marie, that if you're if you're not in peace, that might be a good clue that you're having a judgment and you need to step back and atone um as well. I'm complete. Also, I was thinking very true. Thank you. If someone is thinking that they are separate from and say sick and hopeless um, then I think we can we can offer a miracle of love to heal their sense of separation and sickness so in the sense that I think I we can perceive that someone's um, mistaken in perception because they're thinking they're separate and they're yeah that's my my thought. <laughs> Pass. That's very very true, uh, Sarah. I, Judy, I like, go ahead. I like to I like to say two things <laughs> that everybody's misperceiving, and um, unless you meet a the one and only holy man, you might have a clue. <laughs> Oh dear, that's kind of funny. Good point. I I wondering did that answer your question in any way? Oh, I'm continuing to get um, 
more information as each person answers. I, um, I have not come to a definitive answer yet. I need more feedback for sure, for sure. <laughs> okay, keep your eyes and ears open, your heart especially. <laughs> Thanks, Robin Marie. You know, um, this is Lori, and um, in, in my experience, um, this is a section that gives and keeps on giving. And uh, I'll tell you why, for me, anyway. Um, it, it took me uh, a long time to, um, and I still, I still have to work at this, get past the idea of measuring a distance between my mind and absolute truth. You know? Um, the very idea that every day we pick up a lesson and we pick up this book and read again um, seems to um, be based on the idea that there is a place I'm at and there is a place I would uh, like to be and is my life an experience of the place I'm at uh, distant from the place I'd like to be. In other words, the idea of efforting, striving, uh, doing, uh, achieving, accomplishing, um, all of that involves uh, some sense of distance. And, um, and, and the, um, the thing I want to say about that in relation to um, we're being asked to have some idea here about how God sees time and how we see time how God sees space, how we see space, how Christ sees time and how Christ sees space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it, there's one unmuted line, honey. I'll oh, thank you. There you go. Um, we're being asked to realize that um, a way, one of the ways, in fact, the chief way, um, that I can close that gap, that sense of distance um, that mind wants to measure that doesn't exist, okay? In reality, uh, there's just the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Sonship. But the way to close that gap that seems to exist between where I think I am and where I think I'd like to be is uh, miracle working. So now uh, I'm back to what is a miracle. Well, a miracle is the closing of the gap between where I think my mind is and where I would like my mind to be. A miracle um, and all all the tools of grace, faith, belief, vision, miracles, miracles are all the means that we are given to bridge that gap or to allow our minds to be healed of the idea this is what healing is healed of the idea that there was ever any separation uh, between the perfect son of a perfect and loving father every time I am in a position to 
offer love in response to anything not looking like love, um, I'm closing that gap. I'm allowing my mind to be healed of the notion that there's any distance in my relationship with my father and with his creation. The atonement, or accepting Christ's atonement, is aligning my mind with the declaration that no, there is no distance between my mind and uh, my state in relationship to a perfect loving father and a perfect loving soul. I can accept that uh, anytime I so choose. And the instant I do, what happens to time and space? You see, I no longer believe I need to go somewhere to experience holiness or be something different to experience holiness. And the very idea of measuring where I think I am to where I'd like to be is dissolved. See, in the holy instant. And so um, he wants me to realize that um, here in this plane, having... Uh, Having a body, not being a body, but having a body, is a real confusing um, thing. And I need to get kind of straight on, I'm going to just start with that first principle and then I'll quit talking. Uh, and I'm going to have to do it really fast. <laughs> um, and say that the miracle abolishes the need for lower order awareness. It's the idea that I'm in a body that uh, seems to be a pressing need. The miracle, the state of unity in this relationship with a loving father and a loving son, um, where is my need for a body now? You know, it, it abolishes the miracle, the final miracle of atonement, abolishes the need for lower order reality. And it creates an out-of-pattern time interval when the awareness of perfect love is restored to my mind. Um, where is the distance between where I think I am and where I'd like to be? You see? Wow, that's the awareness. Yeah. Thanks, RJ. And I, I, we're at the top of the hour, so uh, I'm just going to quit right there. And, uh, and I think that's a good place to... Um, to stop and remind myself that when I'm thinking about myself, I don't know what anything is for. And uh, I wonder if anyone's given some thought to leading our reflection this morning. Need a lesson volunteer. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hi, Lori. I uh, didn't hear you for a while there. It's Mindy. Did anyone volunteer? Not yet, my dear. Okay. Well, I feel called to do it, if I may. Marvelous. Thank you very much. All right. Today's lesson. Scrolling to the title so I can get it right here. 
I do not know what anything is for. Purpose is meaning. Today's idea explains why nothing you see means anything. You do not know what it is for. Therefore, it is meaningless to you. Everything is not your own best, for your own best interest. That is what it is for. That is its purpose. That is what it means. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> no, I got that wrong. That's yesterday's lesson. I don't know what my own interest is. Um, let me just begin again. Purpose is meaning. Today's idea explains why nothing you see means anything. You do not know what it is for. Therefore, it is meaningless to you. Everything is for your own best interest. That is what it is for. That is its purpose. That is what it means. It is in recognizing this that your goals become unified. It is in recognizing this that what you see is given meaning. You perceive the world and everything in it as meaningful in terms of ego goals. These goals have nothing to do with your own best interests because the ego is not you. This false identification makes you incapable of understanding what anything is for. As a result, you are bound to misuse it. And when you believe this, you will try to withdraw the goals you have assigned to the world instead of attempting to reinforce them. Another way of describing the goals you now perceive as valuable is to say that they are all concerned with quote-unquote personal interests. Since you have no personal interests, your goals are really concerned with nothing. In cherishing them, therefore, you have no goals at all and that's you do not know what anything is for. Before you can make any sense of the exercises for today, one more thought is necessary. At the most superficial levels, you do recognize purpose. Yet purpose cannot be understood at these levels. For example, you do understand that a telephone is for the purpose of talking to someone who is not physically in your immediate vicinity. But what you do not understand is what you want to reach him for. And it is this that makes your contact with him meaningful or not. It is crucial to your learning to be willing to give up the goals you have established for everything. The recognition that they are meaningless rather than quote unquote good or quote unquote bad is the only way to accomplish this. The idea for today is a step in this direction. Six practice periods, each of two minutes duration, are required, and each practice period should begin with a slow repetition of the idea for today, followed by looking about you and letting your glance rest on whatever happens to catch your eye, near or far, important or unimportant, human or unhuman. With your eye resting on each subject, self-select, say, for example, I do not know what this chair is for. I do not know what this pencil is for. I do not know what this hand is for. Say this quite slowly without shifting your eyes until you have completed the statement and move on to the next subject and apply today's idea as before. 
So we will take a few minutes, two minutes or so, to look around the room slowly, and when our eyes are light on something, say, I do not know what this is for. And we will begin now. I do not know what anything is called. The word is open. I would like to say that. <clears throat> Thank you, Mindy. And, you know, I find it um, just really uh, anchoring uh, to have a look at the review lesson for the same idea. I do not know what anything is for. And in, in the review lesson, he gives us just this one paragraph. And it goes like this. To me, the purpose of everything 
is to prove that my illusions about myself are real. It is for that purpose that I attempt to use everyone and everything. And it is this that I believe the world is for. Therefore, I do not recognize its real purpose. The purpose I've given the world has led to a frightening picture of it. Let me open my mind to its real purpose by withdrawing the one I have given it and learning the truth about it. Um, I like that clarification. Uh, I'm complete. And yep, floor's open. Um, thank you, Lori, for that. Going back to part one introduction, um, the, the purpose of the exercises is to train the mind to a different perception of everything in the world. And I, you know, um, I, I like what, you know, when you shared uh, what you just shared, because I think it has a lot to do with giving up our ego and what it thinks is right in time-space, you know, to join with Jesus and our willingness to do that um, gets us out of our ourselves and back on course. I'm complete. Thanks, Diana. Just one more thought. Um, if you let your separated mind think apart from God, then the ego mind, the ego mind that thinks it knows better, is is the is the battle that we have with body. You know, we might think we know what God thinks, but do we? You know, is that our thinking of what God should tell us to do, or are we really depending on what it is that God wants us to do? I think it's part of this exercise. I'm complete. Mm-hmm. Yep, I have to withdraw my meetings to let, to let meaning be written on it for me. It's a real issue. Um, in the Course in Miracles uh, community, because there was some early teaching that that um, the world doesn't exist. Um, it takes it takes real learning uh, to realize that the world, as I have defined it, as I have seen it, as I've uh, interpreted it, as I've um, as I have experienced it as a person in the body. Um, has uh, led to a very frightening picture of it because I wrote my meanings all over it. Um, there's there's uh, a, a fellow I follow, Richard Rohr, who describes it um, this process, and I know Donna, you have some, some light to shed on it too. Um, this process of growing up, you might say, or growing into our spiritual identity is as a process of order, disorder, and reorder. 
um, you know, we, everybody who comes to this place makes one ego for himself and one ego for everyone else. And, uh, and we form a collective version of um, the world based on the struggle uh, for more of whatever it is various egos want more of. And uh, in order, uh, disorder, uh, disorder is that um, place in your life when you realize there's got to be a better way, you know, uh, struggling for everything and competing and what I win, you lose is uh, not the path for uh, satisfaction of one's soul. And so we go through a phase of disorder and um, and if we're really um, blessed by this path, we find the Course in Miracles or uh, some other path to help us realize that the reality of our persona and our body uh, provides us with no satisfaction, whatever. And uh, we need a better way uh, to establish reorder or um, as some traditions call it, uh, be transformed by the renewal of your mind and your return to sanity. Um, and so I'm really grateful for the Course in Miracles in, in that regard. And I don't remember how I got on. Oh, because of the lesson, I don't know what anything is for. You know, and when when I believe I'm a person in a body with a personal ego, uh, a personal identity and personal goals, of course I'm going to um, perceive myself in a situation where I have to effort and struggle in order to achieve goals that will satisfy my personality. And what am I efforting against? Or what am I struggling against? Um, but the notion that there's a world out there that is keeping uh, from me <laughs> uh, satisfaction of my goals. So through transactions and competition, um, you know, I start to see the world as a place of battle and um, and struggle. And if that blinds me, blinds me, blinds me, blinds me. Uh, to its reality. The reality of it is, um, we read yesterday, I think, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son needs but one correction. God so loved the world that he gave it to his only begotten son. And this lesson tells us flat out everything is for you purpose of everything is for you. I'm relieved of the notion of effort, struggle, and battle with just that sentence. Um, so anyway, um, that's my thought about the lesson today. It's one of the most precious. I think it's the turning point lesson, if you want to know the truth. Um, 23 what I see is a form of vengeance, or 22 is what I see as a form of vengeance. I can give up the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. And I don't know. Um, yesterday's lesson was another version of I don't know. And today's version 
of I don't know what anything is for yeah yesterday I don't know my own best interest and I don't know what anything is for when I release all of that I have um, an open mind where meaning and purpose and truth uh, can be given me without effort or struggle um, but simply by my willingness for a better way I'm complete Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. This is Robin Marie, and this lesson goes very well with what's happening this evening when people who are interested in um, co-creating together are getting together to find out what spirit wants for our Center for Spiritual Living, which is going through a change because we'll be looking for a new reverend for to lead our little group of people who meet together. And so this whole, um, there was one person last Sunday who stood up and said that she had been in a co-creation conference before and was amazed at how all of these groups broke off and they all came up with the same ideas, exactly the same ideas because they were in one mind and one accord. So very thankful for this lesson and thank you for your share, Lori. Oh, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing with your group. That's beautiful. Um, that gives me goosebumps, Robin Marie. Thank you very much. Well, I don't like to keep talking, but um, I will. Um, if no one has anything to share right now. Um, sharing, you're in the sharing place, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> Go for Keep it. going. Keep going. Well, you know, I'll tell you the truth. Um, these these uh, seven special principles have been clarified for me. Um, I'll say mostly the hard way because, uh, you know, the thing is, um, he's using words like uh, correction and healing and misthought and misperception and wrong mind. <clears throat> and, and, and you look at the selection of terms, you know, even, even the selection of terms, you get the idea that nobody's uh, being made wrong. Nobody is ever being made wrong. Uh, which is another uh, pretty good definition to me of what the atonement is. Um, it's correction of my mind. Correction of my mind's errors. I'm not being made wrong. I'm not being condemned. I'm not being judged. Um, there's no sense of of uh, shame on you, you know. All those things that <clears throat> ways that we learned before 
you know, on a learning adventure. <clears throat> you get a grade, and and uh, your achievement is is uh, graded, and and all that idea is uh, is an idea I need to let go of. The idea that anyone ever is being made wrong, and and when I can uh, let that idea go, um, just that much willingness, um, I kind of start um, preparing my mind. In the first three paragraphs uh, of this section, that that is the point that's being made. No one is being made wrong. I want you to know that uh, you've been thinking wrongly uh, and your thinking is uh, causing you disturbance in your uh, peace and uh, interfering greatly with your ability to relate uh, to your to creation, difficulty with being able to relate to yourself and difficulty being able to relate to your creator. Um, but you're not being made wrong. It's pointed out that we can do something with your thinking. That's the whole point of this course, doing something with my thinking. I never realized the degree to which my thinking painted the world and everything and everyone in it. Um, and that's what we're working with. It's, um, I had some time yesterday, and so I was able to... Um, have a read and it was really fun I was able to have a read with um, the original Urtex material and at this point in the dictation uh, there was uh, suspension the suspension of of the material that Helen was describing for a long dialogue um, with I want to say with Jesus with um, the consciousness giving this material, long dialogue with Helen and with Bill and uh, with Jesus. And it, it's as if, you know, they're out to coffee. I just love that image. It's as if um, we're going to stop what we're doing here because I want you to know, he says, I want you to know some really important things. First of all, this is a course in mind training. You're not being made wrong. <clears throat> your problem is you're making wrong. <laughs> uh, your problem is you're making everything wrong. Uh, but you are not being made wrong. Uh, the material I've given you so far, those 53 principles, this is really worth some study. And then he goes on to say, um, remember the other day Bill said, uh, it's probably in the notes, I think I'll go look it up. But he didn't. You know, they had a question. Uh, Bill said it was probably in the notes. I think I'll go look it up, but he didn't. And then he went on to um, talk about how a cab was shared, uh, how someone treated someone when the cab stopped in a puddle. I mean, we're talking really mundane uh, stuff. All of it uh, is left out of the Course in Miracles, but it was used to illustrate that, um, and he said it straight out, this material is a foundation. Uh, those miracle principles, those are the foundational ideas I want you to have. And, and it is worth some time to study those and to have a look at um, how you can experience those when you're in your right mind. 
and how you experience error when you're in your wrong mind. Um, I just loved reading that yesterday um, because it went on for quite a while. And, uh, and as I said, the impression I get from all of it was you're not being made wrong. You're, you're being informed, informed that there's another way to think. And, uh, and another way to think will result in a different outcome and you will like it. <laughs> so, anyway, then, you know, <clears throat> the other thing um, that I took away from that whole dialogue is um, a lot of the way I think, uh, of course, uh, results in a way of relating and there's a way of relating that um, will cause me a great deal of peace and happiness. And there's a way of relating that will cause me a great deal of disturbance and, uh, and negative experiences. And when I choose one, uh, I'll really like it. <laughs> and when I allow myself to be corrected, I'll really like it. Um, but when I'm choosing to relate through ego needs, struggle and efforting and what my brother loses I gain thinking, um, I hurt myself. The antithesis of that is to offer a miracle. And, um, and then if I'm going to be in that state of mind, I need to be clear on some really clear ideas. And, and these are pretty clear, unequivocal corrections. Number two, he says, clarity between what has been created and what is being created is very fundamental. What has been created, remember the other day we just read it, the soul has been created and it's perfect. In fact, man's only reality is his soul, which is in a state of grace forever. That's a person's only reality. If I want to relate with my brother, I must recognize that in spite of what appears to be going on, this soul is in a state of grace forever and is the same as my own. I'm dealing with my perfect equal, in spite of what it looks like, in spite of how I'm perceiving, in spite of how my brother's perceiving. His only reality is his soul. He's not his body. He's not his behavior. And um, when I experienced life as an ego, of course, I judged everything on the basis of how it behaved. Is it frightening? Is it going to hurt me? Is it trying to take something from me? Is it just really screwed up? Um, all of that is ego material. And I need a fundamental, solid foundation of the fact that this brother's soul is already perfect. The idea of offering a miracle is... And RJ, you, know, you said the question perfectly. If my brother is misperceiving, if I'm, if I'm looking at my brother's behavior 
I'm not looking at my brother. That's what he wants me to know in that second principle. If I'm looking at my brother's behavior, I'm not looking at my brother. My brother's in a state of grace forever. My brother is myself. My brother is myself. I need to remember always, in spite of my brother's behavior, he is myself. And now I can be clear there's only two orders of, of need, love or need for love. My brother's either offering me love or he's giving me an opportunity to give him love. In point of fact, the only thing I can ever give anyone, he says, is love. Nor can I ever receive anything but love from a brother. And if I think I'm receiving something else, I'm mistaken. In spite of how it looks. And um, how can I illustrate that? People come on our call and people go, <clears throat> and uh, and and I have a tendency to uh, wonder why people come and why people go. And um, I think miracle working involves recognizing that um, all of this coming and going is arranged for the perfect um, expansion of the soul and for the correction of the mind. And all of that is under the orchestration of the Holy Spirit. And the only thing I can ever do uh, is love. <laughs> love who comes, love who goes. And um, and if I get myself in a state of mind where I'm judging um, something, I'm mistaken and I need a correction. I need to restore my clarity that the soul is in a state of grace forever. And I should never confuse um, wrong-minded thinking. My brother might think wrong, but it's still my job to see him perfect, healed and whole. And that's uh, right-minded thinking. So I think um, these seven principles form a real solid basis for how to relate with each other <clears throat> and, uh, and how to perceive the perfect, perfection of creation and of my brother and the wonderful, perfect thing that happens is that if I meet someone with my perfection in with their perfection and my perfection in my mind that is conveyed in a way I don't understand or need to understand but that same awareness um, flows to my brother in a way that dissolves the idea that he is separate alone or bad and um, that's offering a miracle. And I'm going to quit talking pretty soon. Um, and I don't know 
one of these. Probably, um, there it is, in principle number seven, that miracle working is always with Christ's guidance, always with Christ's direction. I know that all I can ever offer is somebody uh, is love. That's all, I, that's all I can ever offer anybody. If I get confused and wrong-minded and think it's my job to correct a brother, I will experience that as pain in my own mind. <clears throat> if I tell a brother he's uh, mistaken and wrong, <laughs> I've made him wrong and I'll experience that as pain in my own mind. Um, I need, in spite of the fact that my brother might be thinking crazy, I need to rely on Christ's guidance um, on what to do because it's not ever my job to make wrong. It's always my job to recognize perfection. And that's experienced by my brother as a miraculous uh, thing. And, um, and the specifics of how that's done, uh, I always have to ask. I always have to ask um, because I don't know what, how my brother is going to perceive anything. I have to ask Christ who does. I think I'm done talking. I'm sorry. I, I really never like it when I talk so much. Um, so if I've offended anyone, I beg your pardon. I'm complete. Um, can anyone hear me? Hello? Yes, 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 hello. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if this was Holy Spirit, but I tried to speak three times and no one ever responded. And then you kept on talking. And that must have been Holy Spirit because I finally shut the phone off and then redialed the number. So it was a great opportunity for me not to judge it um, because each time I tried to talk, um, when you kept on talking, you actually said exactly what I needed to hear. So I, I just want to verify that I'm not judging it. I'm not even attacking myself. I just found it fascinating that my phone stopped working and I wasn't able to talk. It was, it was quite fascinating. I have to beg your pardon, RJ. That's my, I did that. I am so sorry. I did not undo it. Um, I think your line was unmuted during the five-minute meditation, and so I muted your line with the computer. And sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes we do that and then, oh, gosh, I am so sorry. I forgot to undo it. And uh, I'm so grateful that um, you're not angry with me because it's my... Absolutely not. No, no, not at all. uh, I'm glad you took it as a... uh, I can see this differently (laughs) because, oh, gosh, that's um, that could have been a real source of error, and I beg your pardon. Well, then my choice was, yeah, yeah, after I tried three times, I thought my choice was either Holy Spirit's doing this, so it's all, everything's from my good. I mean, I was following exactly what the lesson tells me to do. This is for my good. You know, everything's for my good. Everything that happens that appears to happen is for my good. Um, and then I kept on asking for Holy Spirit guidance, and then I thought, well, I'll just hang up. And, and redial. Um, I mean, other than sharing the fact that, you know, every time I go out into the world, every time I go out into the world, there's 
10, 20 opportunities uh, to, uh, to choose between being the truth of who I am or, hey, I could uh, be upset here. It, it seems to me that, uh, uh, you know, I don't think I'm a beginning student. I don't think I'm an advanced student. I think I'm somewhere in the middle um, because I've had, yesterday I had 20 opportunities to choose. And I would say that I was successful all 20 times um, because I've got a good noticer now. It's just I'm noticing that, that situations for me are constantly arriving, arising in traffic, uh, waiting in line at a grocery store, um, waiting for my food at a restaurant. Um, one of the things that I think is hysterical is I have this thing about going to restaurants that when I'm finished with my meal, usually within five minutes of finishing my meal, um, I'd like my plate to be cleared. And I think Holy Spirit's playing a really fun game with me because the last four times that I've been to a restaurant, literally my plate has not been cleared for like 15 minutes. And I just sit there patiently going, Holy Spirit, guide me. Um, and I could raise my hand and wave and I could, you know, beseech a wait, waiter to come over. Um, I, those are just little things that are happening in my life, little things where I always have a choice. Do I want to get upset because my plate's not being cleared or do I just want to be at peace and be loving no matter what? Um, thankfully, I am being loving no matter what um, 98% of the time. Um, so um, still glad to be here and, and sharing my thoughts and uh, and and for now, I pass. What a perfect illustration of today's lesson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, RJ. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you're mm -hmm. right. We have plenty of opportunities to be in practice. <laughs> it's awesome. Yes. Thanks, RJ and Diana and Lori, for your great shares last half an hour or so <laughs> I've been on. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Ryder. Yeah. Glad you're here. I think the big thing is not to beat myself up. I mean, yesterday there was at least 20 opportunities, you know, and... Over and over again, I remind myself, I'm not a failure. You know, these things are arising for a purpose. I, I get to choose again over and over again. I get to choose joy and peace. And I don't have to feel like I'm a failure because these things are arising. It's like, oh, goody, another opportunity to just extend love instead of judgment. You know, um, all right, pass. That's exactly how I feel, RJ. Oh, goody. <laughs> <laughs> it's what a great way to, um, you know, a great way to experience life. It's, I love it. It's so different. Yeah, that's beautiful so working on for affirmations to, to live by each day. I think we need to take something to our forehead every day so when we walk into the mirror, we, we, we remind ourselves. 
I get to choose things, like, you know, that arise, and not from judgment, you know? Um, thank you. Well, it illustrates the principle that, you know, the, it's the privilege, it's the privilege of the forgiven to forgive. Um, right. I love that principle. And every time... Um, Every time I overlook something that I would have previously been reactive to, um, I realize I've received a blessing, and uh, and life gave me that opportunity again, and uh, and eventually I learned that I only just meet myself, you know, uh, it's just myself here. It's like he says, whenever you meet a brother, um, offer him honor. Because as you see him, you will see yourself. As you treat him, you will mm. treat yourself. As you think of him, you will think of yourself. As you think of him, you'll think of yourself. Never forget. Um, never forget. And that's, you know, the essence of that second principle as well. The soul is in a state of grace forever. And my brother's only reality is soul. In that sense, we belong to each other. In that sense, we're co-creators, you know. There's a quote for that, and it is, you will never know you are co-creator with God until you mm. remember your brother is co-creator with you. And every time I meet a brother um, on that plane, on that plane of atonement, um, I'm extending the mind of Christ into this, into this plane. I think it's uh, how we get the new age, the new world. And um, and it's how I remember that we belong to each other. I'm complete. Hey, Lemoyne. I, I, I always appreciate your insightful shares. What do you have on this today that you can, that you're thinking about? I'm complete. Well, I have a little joke. Can I poke fun at you, Laurie? (laughs) (laughs) She told me, well, maybe this is the correct, it's just an example of the correct approach. Her saying, I don't have anything on this section. She told me that. She told me that yesterday, and then she started pulling on it. <laughs> in I think in the right frame of mind. I mean, this is this is kind of what three is talking about, and I know I am not very good at it in terms of you know it's a, this thing of right and wrong mindedness. It's like, what are you focusing on? It's like the text was very clear in the last chapter that the answer to the problem is not mastery of fear or correcting all errors or anything like that. It's it's the mastery of love. And, And so, you know, the thing of, the 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 jiu-jitsu right the uh, 
that's called for here is, you know, presented with what, you know, at least seems, and maybe obviously, it's like it says, uh, responding to any form of miscreation, right? So you can you can see it, and the uh, the ego mind, you know, would make it a cause for fear or and judgment. This is focusing on the error. This is wrong-mindedness. It's being focused on the error instead of what else might be possible. And, <clears throat> and so it says, you know, responding to any form of miscreation with anything except the desire to heal. And, you know, it says the sole task is the acceptance of the atonement. This is this is in the real sense the shift from focus on error <clears throat> to focus on what is what is the truth. And I really appreciate the way you unfolded too, Lori, because I tend to focus on that in terms of the, just of time. You know what has been created. Everything that's happened up to now, created or miscreated, and what is being created is what, what are you going to do with it? That's what I'd like to know. That's a line from a song that keeps, that kept coming up. What are you going to do with it? And that's what is being created. And, you know, the focus on error creates the world of, of, uh, where fear is real. And the focus on you know how can how can love heal how can this be healed? how can love have its way is is at least one way to describe right mindedness and so then the response to any form of miscreation becomes a desire to heal. And I think it it must unless it unless this is miraculous impulse right that I think the primary confusion of miracle impulse with physical impulse is something happens <clears throat> that has some obvious aspect of miscreation they want to do something about it. Right, but it's still, it's a focus on error and trying to correct the error, <clears throat> rather than, as you know. So then, the desire to heal really needs to be first within, right, and affirm the truth. So then you can be in right-mindedness, which is only right-mind for only right-mindedness can create in a way that has any real effect. And then the rest of four explains how the so many needs are created, right? It's because the the creation of error is is empty, and and what is lost, <clears throat> not in the sense that it's gone, but it's it's like it says, uh, said. Um, in the last chapter, you know, the 
the the desire to get rid of something it could be called death wish, right? The desire to kill something off, get it out of out of the picture. It doesn't. It, it what it does kill is spiritual awareness, just the awareness. It doesn't actually kill anything, but it it cuts off this access to what is in the sense that and again thanks for that clear distinction between what has been created as remembering that creation is fine it's what is being created now is it need or lack or is it like what the miracle would create which would be um, at least within ourself, which is the primary thing that we can change at any one time, <clears throat> is is our own self and our own attitude. And we can't really change ourselves, but we can align better as with the self as creator and create a new right now. And that. <clears throat> Stepping past the need, I mean, I'm not saying to ignore it, but to reach beyond it to the right-mindedness. It does. Um, it's that is what's out of pattern, right? Instead of just saying, "Oh well, we got to fix this now," you know, or that person needs help, is a focus on need again. Now, what they need is is only a change of mind, right? That this is a course in mind training. And we can't really change their mind for them, but we could offer a different perception, which, you know, reminds them that healing is possible it's like this is this is I'm trying to get at five I think there that the level adjustment right to understand that the needs we see in physical form are most often just a projection of of fear of what might happen. And still, it's in time. That's all time-based. And so, you know, the difference between what's happened, what has been done, and what is being done right now has to be, in the way it has to relate to some perception that steps outside the need to just have it this, then that, and that same pattern that builds a world. And so, you know, it should be natural. <laughs> this this stepping beyond the, this, the creation, the miscreation of need, um, it, 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 the whole miscreation of need need not be. Right, 
And so I think this miraculous forgiveness that it's talking about is only correction. It it has to uh, it has to be internal. You know, we have to have it to be able to share it. So it has to be at least we at least have to will for it, right? To this desire to heal, a desire to heal, a desire to heal. My own response to it is the first step in making um, <clears throat> a different form of co-creation possible other than just remaining in miscreation and trying to fix it in form, right? That the miracle impulse may, you know, will eventually, and it's not even eventually. It's like it, it says very clearly that all thought produces form in some way. And so it is at the level of thought and self-conception that the real errors um, are that need correction. And uh, I think just being aware of the distinction of this temptation to judge and see need and things like that are the symptoms of being an unhealed healer. And the instruction there is, okay, I'm, I'm in it too. And the instruction there is to recognize that first is to accept the, to get, do some form of accepting the atonement for myself before I can pretend that I'm offering any real correction to um, those who are who appear to be well lost in their um, whatever it is self-judgment projected onto a world so I mean it is I just don't want to get as they're stuck to it here the level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for healing. And so the forgiveness is an empty gesture unless it really entails correction of the mind that was judging is now forgiving. Without that change of mind, it's essentially just still being judgmental rather than healing. <clears throat> and in that way, you can understand that what needs to occur for the other person is, uh, you know, it's like Jesus said, he's, he's not going to reach in there and straighten people out. They've got to find it for themselves, and it's inevitable in the long run that everyone will find it but you know so this miraculous forgiveness is only correction it must first be applied within I think 
unless it's naturally occurring, <laughs> which means it's already applied. Yeah. So that's that is the frame of mind in which, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Rapidly can become. Forgive me, me, because I don't know what I am doing, and to release what is is bound to only recreate this action reaction on the basis of form and need um, instead of actual healing where there's the creative responses come naturally and you know whatever physical bumps or interruptions occur are easily moved past into greater um, community and joining. Anyway, I'll stop there. I'm complete. Boy, I, I love everything you said, Lamoy. So helpful. That's so helpful. I'm always so yeah, inspired. Thank you. Uh, I do have a, a share or a comment. Is there, do you guys um, stop the recording at the top of the hour and then have an after call or, um, or tell me what? That's, that's typically how we do it, RJ, but uh, a share that's on topic, uh, I'd love to include on the recording, so please feel free. Well, it, it's once again in the form of a question, and I've been really diligently working the lessons now for about, you know, nine months. Um, I guess I'm asking a question concerning um, hope for the future. Um, I, I'd like to find out how many people have been studying the course for three years, five years, ten years. And um, I know somewhere in the course it said something like, we're far too tolerant of mind wandering, and Jesus is always really asking us to do the lessons and do the course and do them, you know, with passion and diligence and intention. Um, in other words, I don't want to be a basket case in five years. I don't want to have these ongoing uh, triggers in five years. I want to, I'd like to be able to say that I could do the course in one year uh, and then move on to being a healer or a teacher. So is there hope for me, or am I still going to be a basket case in five years and still be having to watch my mind? That's my question. I, I just want to jump you will not quick. be. <laughs> yeah, you have been a healer. You, in, even in your share, when you offer that, that compassion to the person that's cutting in front of you with a blessing saying, I don't know, this person might be on the way to the hospital. I'm just going to send them a blessing instead of having a judgment of saying, well, that SOB or whatever, going in that direction. You are doing it. Whenever your awareness leads you back to kindness, you are being that miracle teacher. You are being the person that shows the person in anger what peace looks like. You know, you're doing it. And it, it could be a year. It could be forever. I mean, you're, this is a course that we're called to. Whether you do it or not is up to you. How long it takes is really a matter of, of your, your being willing and open, allowing your perception to be in line with God's. 
and and move forward. I it could be a mantra every day. If you've been enlightened, open to a page and just pick a sentence, and there you go. You got it. You know. Um, I don't know. I'm complete. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Diana. Um, every step along the way is is a I have, beautiful step. I have a share. I have a share to that. Yeah, Steve. Hi. Hi. Well, what comes to mind immediately is that the, the word hope stimulates in my mind. You know, there's a there's a the paradox. Uh, hope in the future means that the could mean that the present isn't good enough. And the reaching, I've been doing the course for at least five years, I guess. I don't have a date, but maybe even longer. But the idea that I complete the course has a certain perfectionism in my thinking. When I hear those words, I internalize it to mean, when will I graduate? And to me, the idea of uh, improvement and progress rather than then it's always going to be progressive. God is God himself or itself is progressing because it's God can't know it all. If, if he also has within him uh, growth and learning and he's got everything. So if he also has learning, he has expansion. If he has expansion experience, then he like us, it's not like I graduate. It's that I am becoming more proficient, and that's what I have to share. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Steve. Uh, for myself, I'll just say that um, I picked up this book in 1991, and then I set it aside. And I've only been diligent about six years, uh, RJ. But I think it's paid off quite well um, in terms of my peace of mind. So, if that offers you hope, my dear. Uh, yeah, great. Thank you. I can. Yeah. Every, I'll tell you this: every everything you need, desire, want, and um, uh, must have for your soul's fulfillment sneaks up behind you on little cat feet. As you mm. let the lessons um, permeate your awareness, one day, um, about four years ago, I walked down the stairs and I thought, I think I love myself. And it was a surprise. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And I've had lots of surprises like that, uh, always on little cat feet without effort. Um, they come as um, perfect, uh, perfect seeds that have been growing while I've been looking somewhere else. Um, and eventually one day flows into the next and you realize oh, this is a beautiful day as a consequence of yesterday being a beautiful day. And then you wonder um, where peaks and troughs went. Uh, they're just not there anymore. So that's been my experience uh, of diligence. And uh, I'm looking over here. Meanwhile, uh, my cup is being filled constantly. And uh, I think that's the way grace works for me anyway. I'm complete. And uh, thanks for another beautiful, lovely question. Um, I I think to end this recording today, uh, on this note, um, 
the note is a frame of reference. And uh, it won't be long. We'll get to the point where he, he tells us that uh, your problem is you've been afraid of love. You don't realize it. Um, but beneath all of the things that um, seem to color your day, you actually have an intense and burning love for God and a knowledge of His for you. Um, we are in the process of uncovering that frame of reference. And when everything is seen from that frame of reference, the world I thought I was in disappear. disappears. He, he words it like this in chapter 23. Remembering the perfection of the soul. See no one from the battleground, for there you look on him from nowhere. You have no reference point from where to look, where meaning can be given what you see. For only bodies can attack and murder, and if this is your purpose, then you must be one with them. Only a purpose unites. And those who share a purpose have a mind as one. The body has no purpose and must be solitary. From below it cannot be surmounted. From above, the limits it exerts on those in battle still are gone and not perceived. The body stands between the Father and the heaven he created for his son because it has no purpose. Think what is given those who share the Father's purpose and who know that it is theirs. They want for nothing. Sorrow of any kind is inconceivable. Only the light that love is in awareness and only love shines upon them forever. It is their past, their present, and their future, always the same eternally complete and wholly shared. They know it is impossible their happiness could ever suffer change of any kind. Perhaps you think the battleground can offer something that you can win. Can it be anything that offers you a perfect calmness and a sense of love so deep and quiet that no touch of doubt can ever mar your certainty and that will last forever? Those of the strength of God and their awareness could never think of battle. This is a course of mind training that we can learn to share. We learn to know we share the mind of Christ. Amen. And with that as purpose, we'll end this recording. Uh, but as you say, we always can stay on and chat about it. So 